0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson, one of your hosts. Our other host, Danny Wilcox. Look, I actually just heard from him today. He is going to be back with us next week. We're going get, to be getting back into it. I know you've been probably tired of hearing just me talk, and you want to hear the dude who who did it all, You know, won a Super Bowl ring, and uh, you know, brings the fire, brings the hope, brings the passion all week. Well, the dynamic duo is going to be back together. But for now, I got another duo in the house with me right now. John Ledyard and my guy, Brad Spielberger, of many conversations of the past, of the Yin Snowball podcast, because you know what week it is. You know what week it is. It's Ravens-Steelers round one of the 2023 season john Brad, how y'all doing
1: doing well sir this is fun i'm excited
0: to do this
2: yeah yeah yeah, good for sure good for sure the weirdest thing before we jump in is that lamar jackson hasn't played the Steelers since 2021 which is weird to me that just popped up this is like he hasn't played in this rivalry game in a while
0: Yeah, and and it's it's that thing of the joke is always that, I mean, I I was actually on a Steelers podcast earlier this week, and one of the comments was like, I wish the Ratbirds could just stay healthy. Like, that's the joke, is that the Ravens, like, cannot keep their injury report clean no matter how hard they try. Honestly, being a Ravens running back might be the most dangerous occupation in the sport. Not one of those guys can stay healthy long term. And, of course, I mean, look, coming into this game, the, I, I mean it's it's still Thursday at the time of this recording but we're still working on getting a couple of guys back here I mean you you still want to get your offensive line completely whole that hasn't been the case for a little while had had Sam muster for filling in for Tyler Linderbaum uh, who who was back this past week but then you didn't have you know Ronnie Stanley back. And you still didn't, you know, quite have a healthy secondary. Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey still working their way back from injury, and then you've had running backs coming up gimpy. Though Justice, Justice Hill was back and had an explosive game, but again, still all these names popping up on the injury report. Odell Beckham Jr. has only played one game, really, so we're still we're still working on getting a clean bill of health for the Baltimore Ravens. But okay, I digress a little bit. First, I want to pose some questions to you, my guests, who follow the Steelers, watch them all the time. Look, this is this is a a a two and one team or, or two and two team, I should say right now, two and two team. But it feels dismal over there, especially because of the state of the offense. And I'm over here looking at Matt Canada today, answering some questions about. Oh, wait, did you say your offense couldn't play from behind? And he's just like, come on, man, what are you talking about? So look, what in the hell is going on with this Steelers offense? Give it to me. Well,
1: I think you have an offensive coordinator who hasn't been good for any point in his life really and so that's a big part of the problem Kenny Pickett has struggled as well and has been a big part of the problem I mean I think that there are some strengths maybe to build on with him but the weaknesses right now are not really allowing those things uh, to shine so he has struggled as well the offensive line yeah there's been a, a few injuries now with James Daniels being out and it looks like Dan Moore will be out for this game as well Uh the Steelers left tackle we'll see if Daniels can come back or not but even at full strength it's you know, average at best and definitely below average in their play for most of this season, at least at a couple of the spots. And so, yeah, you combine those things and you're not going to win very many football games. On top of it, uh, you've got the fact that they've lost Deontay Johnson now to, to injuries. One now Pat Fryer moved her too. So both teams, it seems like the Ravens may be getting a little healthier. Steelers are not at that point yet. Uh, if anything, they're a little more banged up this week. So lots of contributing factors. It definitely starts with Matt Canada, but I don't know, Brad, we've talked about this a good bit, but it feels like until something changes there, I'm not sure what's going to change for the Steelers.
2: Yeah. That's obviously the part of the biggest issue, but like you said, Kenny Pickett also has not been very good. You know, he's our 31st most accurate quarterback out of 35 qualifiers on throws, 10 plus yards downfield. He's completed less than 50% of passes on those throws uh, throughout the season you know, I mean, they've been dreadful on four on third and fourth down there at 50%. Uh, they have the 28th red zone touchdown efficiency this season and their offensive line, like you touched on has allowed the fourth most pressures in the NFL. So it's just been a mess from top to bottom for this offense.
0: And if you go through, you want to look at EPA per play, Kenny Pickett is like 30 out of 32 in terms of quarterback efficiency this year. Um, no bueno. Um, and, and, and look, I think, you know, there were a lot of people that looked at the game-winning drives that Kenny Pickett authored last season and thought, you know what? He's going to show everybody. He's going to shock the world. Everybody thought that quarterback class wasn't worth anything, and, and I mean, he's going to prove them wrong. And it feels like right now he's not doing a particularly good job of that. And this isn't necessarily going to get easier against a Ravens defense that there are a lot of questions about this team coming into the year who's going to play cornerback especially when marlon humphrey gets hurt and their backups have been good and then who's going to rush the passer for a team that probably didn't rush the passer well enough last year at all and jadevian Clowney's is on pace for like 80 pressures i mean now it would be great if he turned more of him into sacks because he keeps on sliding off of quarterbacks Warrior get of the guy life. on the get the guy <laughs> yeah. on the ground but the pressure production is there, and then they get Kyle Van Noy in the mix to take over because Adapé Owe has struggled to stay healthy, their best pass rusher. And then Kyle Van Noy slides in, and, and I mean, that, it, it's just veteran after veteran, you know, depth piece after depth piece, everybody is, is playing well. And then you have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen just devouring everyone, quarterbacks, running backs, does not
2: matter.
1: Yeah, yeah, those might be the best linebacker group in the league right now. I'm PFF, you guys have them that way, don't you, Brad?
2: Yep. Yeah, I think Roquan's first and Patrick Queen's up there as well. So th- there's no question about that. And I'll just real quick, as you mentioned, like I had serious question marks about this defense. I was worried about their corners outside of Marlon Humphrey. Then you lose Marlon Humphrey, and I was worried about their defensive line generating consistent pressure. You know, I know Jabbo's back down again. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. Odafai Oway needs to play better, and I think he did the first couple weeks of this season. But yeah, I mean, we have Javon Clowney with 19 pressures. Man, those late offseason additions at Edge Rusher, I, I almost start to wonder if it's why a lot of these guys haven't gotten paid uh some of the other names, because you you can find like quality edge production in August, it seems like every year at this point.
0: Yes. And and I mean, again, you look at the fact that a guy like like Clowney, who has has never necessarily he's always been a better run defender than he's been a pass rusher. And in PF gra- PFF grades have borne that out basically his entire career. And so you're looking at it like, okay, he's a good he's a good early down piece for this defense. And it's like, actually, I'm also just going to be really good rushing the passer. For him, I feel like so much of the questions around him specifically have been about health. He looks healthy to me right now.
1: Yeah, I think that yeah. is one of the big things, just with the Ravens in general, is, is what you mentioned at the outset was health. It feels like it's derailed their last couple seasons. And so... Keeping those guys, obviously, you need some of the young guys you've drafted, I feel like, to take a step to. I mean, the Ravens have a lot of these young pieces on their defensive line. They've invested something in, in a way, obviously, is probably one of the top ones of j as well. But those are the guys that they really need to take another step um, to be able to be consistent, you know, not only pressure creators, but can they create consistent production, sack production for them? If they can do that, I feel like they become a really fearsome defense. Even if they don't though, I mean, just the way they have the perfect defensive coordinator and Mike McDonald to kind of offset a lot of the issues. Like if you don't have one great individual rusher, that's okay because this guy is like the king of sim pressures and he's going to send four, but you don't know which four coming at any given point. And so he just makes you communicate so much. Then that's going to be like a big point of this. If Kenny Pickett does play, and it looks like he will, already you're going to maybe have a limited, him limited in mobility. And you're also going to have a Steelers offensive line that's banged up. You're also going to have to get good communication up front as you get to the line of scrimmage, because who's coming and who's not is going to be a big plot line here. So it really feels like, and Steelers Ravens are almost always close right no matter what happens but it feels like we have a kind of a matchup here of maybe at least a top five coach defense in the league right now one of the best coach defenses in the league against the worst in my opinion coached offense like that and the Bears (laughs) sorry guys are are up there like right now for the worst groups in the league so it feels like it's just a complete mismatch and I don't know like I know that these games always close, but it feels like that alone, even we'll talk about the Steelers defense Ravens offense and that, but that alone, that disparity alone feels just so significant to me that I have a hard time seeing this game being super close.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you mentioned the sim pressures. Mike McDonald, they're third in the NFL in, uh, in percent of snaps that where they show a sim pressure. They're also top ten in blitz rate. They're also top ten in rotating coverage, pre snap to post snap, and doing different things to confuse opposing quarterbacks. And I think all of that, falling on an injured Kenny Pickett's injured shoulders, uh, is not a great recipe for success for that offense.
0: Well, his injured knee as well. And I mean, I think knee, that's yeah, going yeah. <laughs> to. Well, I mean, that's going to be his question about what will he play.
1: I think. Uh, yeah. 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 It seems like he's going to. Yeah. He said he will. He talked to the media. Tom kind of said, yeah, we'll let practice be our guide yesterday. And he practiced and he's practicing today. like, so do you think he's going to play? I don't know whether that's a good thing or, but Mr. Risky would be the other option. That's probably not a good thing either. So.
0: I mean, speaking as, as a couple, <laughs> speaking as a couple of <laughs> bears fans, uh, I would not, would not recommend uh, if, if you don't <laughs> have to. Um, you, you mentioned, briefly the the Steelers defense versus the Ravens offense and i got to know i mean the, the the stats in the past haven't necessarily been the gaudiest with Lamar Jackson versus the Steelers and also mm-hmm. as Brad mentioned Lamar Jackson has not played against the Steelers since 2021 just because of the way his injuries have have fallen out the last couple of years and so you're getting a you're getting Lamar Jackson but in a new offense that is that does present more weapons on the outside than he's ever had, though again, some of them have been hurt. Um, but it also still features his you know, dynamism as a runner. like he's still out there just, just with two touchdowns on the ground the last couple or four touchdowns on the ground the last two weeks. I mean he's still good old Lamar Jackson. oh but by the way, his control in the pocket looks about as good as it's ever looked. I mean, is this Lamar Jackson at the height of his powers? And if it is, are you worried?
1: I I'm terrified. Finished. Go ahead, John.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I'm terrified.
1: Yeah. i am always scared of Lamar. Now the Steelers have played him very well. Like they probably played him better than anybody consistently in the league. I would say Tomlin's always had good game plans for him. And it seems like they've really been able to frustrate him. He and Minka have had their battles as well. And Minka's had some of his best games against Baltimore in the past. I think. Baltimore's desire to run the football in the past though was a big part of that in my opinion like and my question I guess back to you is just is this a different Ravens team in that like all the success that Tomlin had against Greg Roman teams in the past and even when they lost the Ravens usually ran the ball well win or lose you know no matter what happened they ran the ball decently but is is that going to be out the window in this matchup because I'm just so curious like with Todd Monk in there with Lamar Jackson like What have your observations been, I guess, in terms of how threatening that is, that combination is, and what's changed the most for Lamar compared to seasons in the past? Because in the past, I would have said, I think the Steelers can bottle up Lamar. It doesn't mean I think they're going to win the game, given the other limitations I've said. But now I'm a little less certain because I just haven't had this big sample size that I've had in the past of knowing what a Roman-Lamar-Jackson combination looked like. Now with Munkin and Lamar, It feels like to me like that was one of the storylines of the offseason is how different is this dynamic going to be? What else is it going to bring to the table? Is it going to open things up for Baltimore in a way it feels like there's just been a lid on them in the past? So I just am curious about what your observations have been so far on that combination.
0: Well, you think about the old Greg Roman offenses, where you would have like the full house backfield, and and I mean like going heavy on the twelve personnel, right? Just multiple tight ends all the time. That was really how you built the offense. And look, Mark Andrews is still out there looking like one of the best tight ends. You you saw you saw that touchdown catch he had, just just absolutely dunking. I mean, he got all the way up there, full extension for that. He's still Mark Andrews. He's still what he is. But I think the thing that you're going to notice is you're not necessarily going to see the heavy, heavy personnel all the time anymore. They still want to run the ball, and they still do run the ball. Though, again, the the injuries to the running back room have impacted that a little bit, where I think especially if you had J.K. Dobbins, you had a little bit more more depth, I guess or like more at the top, then – this is probably still going to be maybe not run heavy but definitely fairly running the ball a lot but right now your your leading rushers are uh, like Gus Edwards, right? Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are the two best healthiest running backs on the roster and then you've got veterans like um you know Kenyon Drake and and Melvin Gordon kind of coming in, you know, off the practice squad as elevations. One guy that is going to be interesting with this and he was one of my draft darlings and preseason darlings is keaton mitchell he's just coming off of injured reserve um he practiced in full he had a shoulder injury that he suffered in in preseason he practiced in full on Wednesday. So there is a chance that you're going to see your first bit of him. He is electric. That dude is awesome when he gets into space. But I think, in terms of the overall offensive structure, what you're going to see is not so much heavy, but you're going to see more three receiver sets than you've probably ever seen from the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Because that, like, I think I saw a stat like in, in week one where it was like they did like three receiver sets like 40 times in week one, and they only did it about 150 times total. Last mm-hmm. year. So they have definitely made that switch into more of a, a, a spread offense. And one of the cogs that makes it work is Zay Flowers, because they have shown that they want to get him the ball any which way. smoke screens and arounds down the field. I mean, crossing routes, whatever it is. I mean, we're still... I, I mean, I think the production has been about as good as as you would hope for from from a first round rookie. But honestly, I think it can
2: even go up from where it is.
1: Well, the Steelers have a bunch of corners that can't run, so this should be fine, right, Brad?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, him against uh, Levi Wallace and Pat Pete will will be certainly be interesting. I mean, yeah, I think I was going to say. Uh, I just got finished watching the Cleveland film with with Lamar Jackson, and I have not seen him look that confident and comfortable um in a pocket. And it's also, I think, getting the ball out when there is pressure underneath and letting a guy go to work, and I think he has more faith in that. Also, I think throwing a more accurate ball, allowing his guys to get more yards after the catch. I mean, he's our most accurate charted passer on throws 10-plus yards downfield the entire NFL. Um, you know, he, He's been phenomenal. And then uh, you mentioned the rushing. I mean, he leads, the, leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards has forced 15 missed tackles on runs, which is seven more than uh, Justin Fields in second with eight. Like He's been uh, as much as you could possibly ask him to be. But, yeah, just the command of the offense. uh, I mean, getting things set, free snap. Patrick Ricard's going to sit in there and chip just like we saw uh, Houston do last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be in there throwing shoulders into Highsmith and TJ Watt. Um, And it's just like it's the fact this is a new offense and a very different offense you would have never guessed, I think, you know, based on how smooth everything has looked um, and how clean the operation has been, at least from what I saw in, in that game.
0: It's interesting, too. You mentioned that he's your most accurate passer on on, on fields, 10 plus yards or, or throws 10 plus yards down the field. It's also just behind Josh Allen for the highest completion percentage. In the league right now. And that's something that he has gradually improved as his time has has gone on in the league. It's been, you know, kind of in in the lower sixties, right? 62, 64%. And right now it looks like he's just got all of the answers. And that's the thing that I feel like people never quite gave Lamar Jackson credit for the idea that it's like, oh, yeah, what is he, like a one-read-and-run guy? It's like, no, he can get the ball out fast. You just got to give him the options, and for the longest time, the options were Mark Andrews or bust because you didn't have receivers. Now you do. And, I mean, again, whether it's Zay Flowers or Odell Beckham Jr. when he's back and Rashad Bateman, though Rashad Bateman is struggling with his health right now as well. So that's one thing to keep an eye on is what the receiver depth looks like. But as it is right now, it looks like Lamar Jackson Nothing is fooling him. He knows exactly what he wants to do with the football on every snap, and he's as hard as ever to get on the ground.
1: What has impressed you the most about Zay so far? People liked him pre-draft, obviously, and some people thought he'd be one of the steals. And statistically, it's been fine. Like so far, it hasn't been anything. There's been nothing that's been like from the outside. If you're not watching the tape. That blows you away, or whatever. But as somebody who watches him every single week, what has impressed you the most about him, and do you think he can be a guy that functions essentially as a number
0: one option that you can build your passing attack around his skill set? Maybe not this year, but mm-hmm. here's what I'm going to tell you about about this guy. First of all, he is impossible to like. His his quickness is such that he's so hard, even for experienced corners to guard him one-on-one because he is, he, he, his, his breaks are sudden and he attacks you full speed, every route, every stem. And he doesn't have to slow down when he makes breaks. And then you get the ball in his hands with any kind of space in the open field. Good luck because he, he puts absolutely dirty moves on people. I mean, the, the, the first guy to him rarely ever gets him on the ground. And then I think that his route tree again, I think his route tree is more advanced than I think people expected perhaps coming out of Boston college, where I think that it's like, Oh yeah, well he's, he's running like bubble screens or, you know, uh, or he just runs deep or whatever on the, on the corner post, which is like his, his favorite route is, is like the, the, the corner post. But even at Boston college, they were getting the ball in his hands every which way possible in every kind of route possible. Now I think the other the other intriguing thing about it too is that he's not just people thought he was just going to be a slot guy he is not just a slot guy he lines up outside plenty and so i think that eventually he i i think i think that he just has to develop a little bit more trust with lamar jackson but i think the answer to your question is he's absolutely the kind of player that you can say that's the guy that we want to get the ball to all the time i mean even look at it right now right odell beckham junior is I think he's not quite what we're used to Odell Beckham jr being, but he's probably Mm -hmm. 80% Odell Beckham jr when he's healthy. But I think Zay flowers can be better than that in, or at least at that level in a couple of years or so, because again, just the dynamism. And if you go ahead and put a little bit more weight on that frame, he definitely added plenty of muscle, uh, you know, coming into the combine and coming into here. But I think that just with the ball in his hands, He's the most dangerous player not named Lamar Jackson on that team.
2: One thing that stuck out to me about watching him and I've watched uh, like all of his reps cuz uh, he was a guy that I thought was was awesome coming out, weird wide receiver class, weird results thus far. I also think they they've, they've been weaponizing on like half field reads when he's in a bunch or a stack and it's a high low concept um whether he's the guy who goes on a deeper route or stays in and it's caused conflict for defenders that are, you know, usually They'll be over in a bunch. You'll see like a linebacker, a safety, in a corner, whatever, depending on if it's like Andrew Zay and I don't know Nelson Aguilar and like he he's, he he they use him in every single potential usage within that structure. And I, there was one play where a corner just fell down and he ran a like a, a deep out and, and had a twenty yard gain on a deep out because he was uncovered. There was a safety over the top, but like I think because those players don't know like what is his responsibility on a down to down basis, like that they're comfortable using him in, in a million different ways, like you said.
0: And then the scramble drill play that he had with Lamar Jackson, where the, he's already showing that trust. And, and that was actually something that happened in, in week two, where Lamar passed up a deep shot to Zay Flowers at one point, where Zay probably had dude beat for a touchdown. And then he basically goes to, to Lamar, just like, dude, just chuck it. Like, like, I'm going to get that ball. And then the next time he does launch it, it's double coverage. It's a tight throw. And Zay Flowers still comes down with it. I think that's one very interesting part of this is the fact that at 5'9, as, as we're gonna say that he's five nine. I mean, he might be five eight, who knows? But his competitiveness to go up and get contested catches or just find a way to come down with the football, track the ball down the field is impressive for a guy his size. I mean, because usually you think about you know a small guy like that, a deep threat, you gotta separate, or that ball's just not getting caught. That's not him. And I mean, I'm not I am not going to put him in that same classification as the guy that I'm going to mention, because he's quite possibly the best receiver in the NFL. But Tyreek Hill is a player like that where you underestimate what he can do down the field, aside from the fact that he's just faster than everyone, but he can go up and get a football. He can can find a way to wrestle it away from you. I mean, I I saw it last year in week one against the New England Patriots. He just just steals it from Jack Jones because he climbs the ladder and just takes it away. It's like, Zay Flowers, that's the kind of thing that he can also do despite being a little guy out there.
1: It's interesting because Baltimore – like this transformation that I feel like offensively is coming like the perfect time where they also have this emergence of talent at wide receiver and they have like a a new innovative approach on offense at least. And they're trusting Lamar kind of as a passer more this season. Although, I mean, he's still been, like you said, as dynamic with his legs. And so, Feels like that unit is certainly on the rise and will should hypothetically get better as long as they're able to stay healthy throughout the season. The player I want to talk about is a guy that I've really liked for a long time and think is underrated, is Morgan Moses, the right tackle for Baltimore's having a career season, is having an outstanding start to this year. And I just obviously the matchup coming up is against TJ Watt. No, nobody really blocks T.J. Watt one-on-one. They pretty much all throw the house at him, and he's going to get chipped, and I know all those things. Power card will be working overtime over there, I'm sure, on him. But how do you see this matchup? I mean, Morgan Moses against T.J. Watt. What kind of players has Moses typically like struggled against or had a lot of success against, and how does Watt fall into that uh, category?
0: Well, it's an interesting question when you ask that because Morgan Moses did not practice on Wednesday uh, with a shoulder that. injury. Yeah. So you do not want to have that situation <laughs> if, you, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, especially since you've had injury issues on the other side with Ronnie Stanley not being there. So, and, and again, I think uh, Patrick McCary has been okay on the left side generally, but he definitely got abused by Miles Garrett when they played a little bit because mm-hmm. who doesn't get abused by Miles Garrett? But yep. I, I I think that generally, especially if you're, if you're strength on strength, Morgan Moses is a dog. Like he can more or less handle you. I think that I would be interested to see if if Moses can play. If there if there's anything from a speed or quickness perspective that might get him beat. I think Moses has been playing well, just generally. But I do think that if you put more of a, of a speed rusher against him, and and maybe try to neutralize the strength, and mm-hmm. and use creative moves to get him off balance, which I think T.J. Watt's bag is about as deep as any. Um, but I think that's probably the way that I would go at him because he's just a big, strong, aggressive dude out there. You're not necessarily going to get places with Morgan Moses by just trying to bowl him over. Um, again, might not be Morgan Moses out there, though. So as, as a Ravens fan, you gotta, you got to hope that he is. That
1: seems like the path to victory for the Steelers. Is if is <laughs> It seems like Ronnie Stanley's coming back this week,
0: or I saw he practiced anyway.
2: Seems like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so he, so he did practice. He's a full participant in practice. Yeah. Um. So again, fingers crossed, hope yeah. there are no setbacks. You just never know, uh, especially with the Baltimore Ravens.
1: It, well, that, that's where it gets tough because Pittsburgh, I mean, if there's a strength of this team, it's their defensive line and not just Highsmith and Watt, although those two are absolutely a handful. I mean, at Watt it speaks for itself. Highsmith, not an unbelievable athlete but everything is in his bag like the bag is so deep for him he's got inside counters he knows how to win the edge he's great at reading a tackle set adjusting throughout a game he's gonna be one of those pressure kings even if he isn't always athletic enough to to finish the play I feel like just such an accomplished well-rounded player and then you've got Larry Ogunjobi who is also a good rusher is contributing Keanu Benton is improving every single week uh, starting to take over as well. And so there's some depth here. Um, a lot of their players, have uh, the guys up front, have actually played pretty well this season, even when they've been they've had their ball run well against them. A lot of that has been other aspects of the team. They've improved at linebacker this year for sure. I know that hasn't been the storyline so far because nobody notices those things unless those guys are getting pr- production basically. But I I think that they're, they actually have been a pretty good defensive front this year. It's been really the only clear strength of the team, I think. That's a great first step against Baltimore. You're probably going to need more than that, especially with the state of your offense, but it is the area where if Pittsburgh's going to win the game, it, it almost certainly has to be because they overwhelmed in that area.
0: And so with, with that, let's transition, and we've been talking with the guys from the Yin No Ball podcast, John Ledyard and Brad Spielberger. Let's get into a little bit of lightning round stuff to close it out. Who is your splash play player of the game for this one? Not named Lamar Jackson or Kenny Pickett or whatever quarterback plays.
1: <laughs> this one's tough. So I, I'm going to do it for the Pittsburgh perspective, like uh, from the Steelers side. This is something Brad and I have want, been wanting to incorporate into our into our podcast here in these pre- preview uh, game previews that we do is talking about. Kind of making a prediction as to who will make the big splash play that week for the team that we cover. So, obviously, for the Steelers now looking at it that way, I'm going to say Minka Fitzpatrick because he's had a lot of success against Baltimore. He feels like he's due for some splash plays. The play around him has been so bad that I I kind of feel bad for him. Like everybody else in the secondary is just a complete cloud show at this point. And so he's been trying to, like, get everybody lined up and all this other stuff. And I feel like maybe a breakthrough play uh, is in store for him in some capacity. So I'll say Minka Fitzpatrick for my splash play guy.
2: I'll go with the guy you uh, just mentioned a little bit ago. You know, I think Lamar, we talked about his pocket presence. I think the number one thing I've noticed is his willingness to step up into a clean interior pocket when there's edge pressure. Um, And I think we're going to get a Keanu Benton splash play in this game. You know, maybe they're going to overcorrect and overconcern themselves with Highsmith and Watt, especially if Morgan Moses is out. You know, Kevin Zyler is a good player. I think John Simpson is a good run blocker. He's been a fun guy to pull and do a lot of different things with. But I think you can, uh, you know, attack him as a pass blocker or whoever else. You know, I, don't, I can't even keep track of Ravens injuries at this point. But whoever is playing on the interior for that team, if it's if it's our old friend Sam Mustafer or Tyler Linderbaum or whoever, um, I think Keanu Benton is going to make a big play in this game.
0: Love it. And by the way, do want to give you credit for for uh, actually texting me with, with some of these uh, you know game preview ideas. So that was that was your brainchild. I'm only happy to bring it to this podcast while the two of you are on. I think on my side of things for the Ravens, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton, who has done a little bit of everything. He has been on the line of scrimmage is basically another edge rusher. We had three sacks a couple of weeks ago an interception tackling everybody. And and so, and and I I think that his overall ability, even coming out of Notre Dame, it's like he's, he's an athletic freak who can line up anywhere, do anything, cover anybody. And I think that especially in a game where there the, the Steelers might want to try to run the ball a lot. In order to take some of the pressure off of Kenny Pickett, you're going to see him down on the line of scrimmage a lot. And then on passing downs, you might see him roaming the middle of the field a little bit and seeing if he can swipe some of these crossers or make some big impact plays. I think that that just generally, I mean, he's, he's managed to make at least one big play in the, in the past couple of weeks. I feel like there might be a swiping of Kenny Pickett in the offing.
1: Mm. I mean, the Steelers have really struggled with that type of player specifically, I feel like this season. I mean, if you can even go back just any time they've placed somebody like a versatile defensive back who can get in the mix against the run is big issues against the Raiders, whether it was Epps or whoever it was, uh, walked down there in the slot for the Raiders. Um, issues last week as well with the Texans uh, and, and that role with Petrie and and making stops in the backfield. So they've struggled to account when they've tried to get an extra, when an extra vendor's added to the box and they're able to play in that role. And they're asked because of Steelers wide receivers have struggled so much at blocking. Uh, that's been a big factor uh, for why they've struggled in the run game. So keeping him away from the line of scrimmage, if you're going to run the football is probably a key, but also being aware of where he is in the secondary is going to be critical as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see the Ravens coverage approach too. Uh, to the Steelers, given that most teams, it feels like so far, have played a lot of zone against them and had a lot of success doing that. Um, And so I think that that – could be a strategy for Baltimore as well as utilizing him in that way. It seems like he could make a splash play in that regard. The other thing we were doing was picking a clown play player of the week. And so we go look at our teams that we cover and we say, who's going to make the clown play on Sunday? Then we're going to come back to the podcast later and be like, this guy, not again, come on. Um, and so for me, for the Steelers, Broderick Jones is going to be making his first NFL start. And let me tell you, it looked a little bit rough last week at left tackle when he got into the game. Not that it hasn't looked rough with Dan Moore. It definitely has. But Broderick Jones, I think I could just see a scenario where – and we'll see who plays for Baltimore on the edge. I could definitely see a scenario where he's put in some tough spots by Baltimore and Mike McDonald, those sim pressures and knowing who to pick up. And his head might just be spinning in his first game. So I think he's going to give up a sack or two maybe and, and, and make some of the clown plays of this game.
2: I had a feeling you might be going that direction. We did talk about um, he got uh, gamed a couple times early on stunts, did Mm seem in the second half to kind of settle in a little bit and adjust. So, you know, talented player, good athlete. But, yeah, I think you can probably chalk him up for a clown block or two in this game. I'm going the other side of the ball, another one of our favorites. Uh, I think Zay Flowers is going to put Levi Wallace in a blender at some point in this game. (laughs) Zay Flowers has seven missed tackles for us on receptions, top ten in the NFL so far this year. We talked about it. He's as shifty as they come. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to he's going to have Le- Levi Wallace like break an ankle on a on a sharp cut after a short catch. Uh, that, that's my clown play candidate uh, for this game.
1: Picking Levi Wallace for this category is almost cheating.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's, it's like a free square on like the, you know, like a bingo card. <laughs> Love it. Um,
0: I'm actually going to go with a guy who, again, has been pretty good, much better than than I thought but has had a little bit of trouble sealing the deal my guy jadevian Clowney, okay because i i've now seen him a couple of times first of all blowing a sack in week one on cj stroud where he was completely unblocked and had him dead to rights and just fumbled the bag and then blowing a tackle against the colts behind the line of scrimmage where again just wrap the guy up you're right there you did all the hard work you chased him down from behind you defeated a block just wrap him up and he wouldn't do it i feel like there's going to be a point where i'm just like dude clowny come on bro use your arms it's like we're we are we are not in college anymore where you just hit the guy and he dies like no we're <laughs> in the nfl now please wrap up make a tackle all right so to finish to finish it out let's hear about your rookie spotlights another one of your ideas for, for your previews who are you spotlighting as a rookie
1: well, for the Ravens, it feels like the only guy would be Zay, right? Is not are any other other
0: Ravens rookies contributing? Who else is it? One that? one might start contributing. Oh, who? Ke- Keaton Mitchell, my oh, guy funny. from the running back room. <laughs> I think you're gonna see your first Keaton Mitchell carry this week. And my goodness, I'm so excited. You don't even know.
1: <laughs> if he scores, <laughs> you should have picked him for your splash play player. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, I, I mean, true. But, you know, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to take it slow with, with my guy right now. But I think you already, you you mentioned the guy that I, I wanted to see, and I wanted to see him in a different uniform, if you catch my drift, Keanu Benton. I've heard so many good things and seen so many good things on tape from that guy. And look, I think that the the Ravens offensive line on the interior has had some, had some issues staying healthy. And I mean, again, Linderbaum should be back. Um, but even still, you know, Linderbaum is a young player as well. He's very good, but I mean, it's, it's going to be young on young. So it's going to be a really interesting battle up front and seeing if Benton can disrupt some of the Russian, because look, the the Ravens are going to want to run the football. Like, let's not get it twisted. They got the spread out offense and everything. They're going to want to run the football to start this game. And if they can't, whether it's with Lamar Jackson or whomever, I think Keanu Benton's going to have a big piece of that.
2: Those guys probably played against each other in college. Now that I think about it, yeah, uh, Benton at Wisconsin and Linderbaum at Iowa. They probably mm-hmm. battled uh before. Let's get it. I am I'll ready. say the other guy,
1: I'll just throw Joey Porter Jr.'s name in there as well. Like this could be the week where he finally starts for the Steelers. They could say, we've seen enough. Pat Pete, Levi Wallace, one of you getting sat down. I don't know how they make that choice. Maybe they flip a coin because both have been so bad this season, but Joey Porter Jr. has been really exciting in the few reps we've seen. And, uh, I know the the small – I won't even read the stats because the small – it's a, such a small sample size. But I don't – is he allowed to catch? I, I doubt think, it. I mean, yeah, and he I, only I mean, plays
2: he, on passing downs uh, yeah. as well. So.
1: Every time he's been thrown at, he's been locked down. He's been in position and stuff. So I just want to see more of it. I'm not predicting that he's going to be like an amazing player as a rookie or anything like that. But at this point, there's basically nothing for the Steelers to lose. And their lack of athleticism in the secondary and speed overall, even when you get to KZ and Keanu Neal, guys that are – Older and for Neil, injuries have just taken away so much of what was once a good athlete. And Patrick Pete, uh, just age has taken that away. And Levi Wallace has never been a good athlete, and Shannon Sullivan either. So, there's just a lot of like it's hard to feel a secondary in today's NFL that has that lack of speed all over the place. And just, just having a good young athlete and Joey Porter Jr. with size and athleticism like that, in and of itself, like as long as he isn't a total disaster in terms of playing ball, should be an improvement. And he seems to be working extremely hard, intelligent kid. And so, I'm just anxious to see more of what that looks like because there's no hope for the Steelers, like with the current group in the secondary. There's no like upward trajectory really for this group. So, Joey Porter Jr. being a breakout player, somebody else coming off like into this rotation that hasn't played much, maybe even, you know, not a rookie, obviously, but a Desmond King who they picked up and has been learning the defense and could be ready for a bigger role. You know, those kind of changes are kind of the only hope they have as a secondary to be above water this season because I don't think it's getting better with the guys that are currently out there.
2: No, definitely not. I'll, I'll go with the uh, the other side of the ball. We mentioned Pat Frymuth not playing in this game, so I think we should see a whole lot more of Darnell Washington. Uh, to this point, he's basically just brought in only on twelve personnel snaps, only to run block, uh, and pretty much has not been asked to do anything else. But he has one catch. Is
1: that it's a one catch? catch?
2: Okay. Yeah. I thought last time we spoke, he had zero. Yeah, he's got oh, one. It was. Yeah,
1: no, I was agreeing with you. It's been really brutal.
2: <laughs> it's been tough. It's been tough, and I, I think that the idea here is like. Let him leak. Like, like let him hold in and sell a block and then leak out and see if he can get space. Obviously, good linebackers, good safeties, et cetera, et cetera, in Baltimore. But bring that physicality, get him with a head of steam, uh, bowl some guys over. Let's get some darn on Washington this week.
0: Indeed. Also, quick news update. Looks like Morgan Moses was on the practice field today. Um, so we will see if we get that TJ Watt Morgan Moses battle. Y'all, John Ledyard. Brad Spielberger of the Yin Snowball podcast, breaking down the Steelers. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. And let's see how it turns out. Obviously, I believe in the Ravens, but it'll be a good game, I'm sure. Yeah, excited about it, man.
1: Thanks for having us. This
0: is great. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Believe.